Hello, this is Nina and welcome to Diversity on Fire. We're so glad to have you here for another episode. I'm from Iowa. And this is Heather from New Hampshire. And this is Ashley from North Carolina. We're doing something a little differently tonight and we're adding a co-host to our conversation. He has a very eclectic background and is currently making the transition from a 14-year career with the military to student life at the General Theological Seminary. His experience includes multiple deployments and special operations training, throughout which he has maintained a really intense relationship with his own religion and spirituality. He and I have spoken about this in depth, and I'm very excited to welcome to the conversation this evening. Hey, Ryan, you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hey, ladies, how are you all doing this evening? Fantastic. Awesome sauce. So how Ashley just lovely brought me into this. Um, Joined the military when I was 17. I've been in for about 14 years, currently ending. Um, most of my career has been on the front line. So I've done almost everything from an infantryman to a mechanic to uh, my last job that I actually did with special operations. Um, kind of like being a diplomatic warrior, if you will, um, going around the world to different countries and helping out with diplomacy and a couple other problems in different regions. Uh, I really look forward to this conversation tonight. This is actually something um, I'm going to do here in a few months because I'm getting ready to start seminary. So I look forward to taking all this in and hearing everyone's opinion on this hot topic. Like, huh? Yes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We're really excited to learn about your experience. If there was one story that you could tell us that could encapsulate your experience with the Army and with God, what would that be? So one of the guys I was actually deployed with, not going to say his name, but an amazing dude, he was from Iowa. Big, hulking man of a man, grizzly man of a man, bald head from Iowa. I'm like, okay. So getting to talk to him, this guy, super cool, had a tattoo of a Hello Kitty face on his butt cheek. Super cool. Don't don't ask me how these things happen because this is how it happens. But no lie, while he was in Iowa, he was a skinhead. And coming when he joined the military and he had to come to the East Coast to go to his, you know, or he got basically relocated to go to his basic training, his mind was completely blown. Like he was just completely freaked out. He was like, there's, there's black people here and y'all ain't trying to colonize them. And why are they speaking English? You know, so like, that's how we felt. So we, we go through, we go through the shit together. Um, like I said, blood brother, blood, sweat, tears, everything with this guy. And the whole time I knew he was a skinhead and the whole time he knew, you know, I was a Catholic and, you know, in the military, there's certain things you don't talk about. Uh, one of them being religion. Second one being politics. You try not, you, you stay away from that. But one day we're sitting in a bunker. We're sitting in a bunker. It's about two blocks down from a police station we were working out of in Sauter City, Iraq. So we're in the bunker and we're kicking shit back and forth. And Iowa man looks at me and he's pissed off. He's kind of just like going on. He's cussing, he's yelling, he's spitting and all that stuff because he's just hungry and tired. And I look back at him and I'm like, hey, man, like it could be worse. You know, put a smile, smile, bitch. And uh, he looks back at me. He was like, I don't understand why you're so happy. Like why you're so happy all the time. And I was like, well, you know, I'm happy all the time because you know, I, I prayed, I went to buy. So we got on the, re- here we go, we're into the religion talk. We're in the religion talk and he was like, all that stuff is fake. And I was like, okay, I, if that's how you feel, then that's how you feel. Um, so at the end of it, just, just tying everything back in, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can you think religion is like fake and stuff but you were skinhead? Like, isn't, isn't like one of the, one of the legs that you stand on, like is religion and God, you know, the superior race and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, but I mean, I mean, we all know Jesus is white. So like, whatever, like it's nothing really big. And 
I was like, hmm. Yeah, right, right. So I was like, hmm. Um, so I'm, you, you know, Jesus was like brown, right? And he's like, and he's like, no, no, man, no, you know, no, he's not. I'm like, no, dude, Jesus is brown. He's like, no. I was like, what Middle Eastern man do you know who's going to live under the desert sun and come out pasty white? No, whatever, 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 dude, shut up. Shut up. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about it. I was like, okay, so now I want to poke the bear. Now I want to really fuck with him. So I'm kind of looking at him and I'm like, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, so now I'm looking at, so now I'm looking at him and I'm like, Hey man, like, I don't know if you knew this either, but like, like the story of Moses and all that stuff, all them dudes were African. And he's like, and so, so, so he looks at, he, so he looks at me and he goes, shut the fuck up. And I was like, no dude, like, don't, don't get mad. Don't hate the play. hate the game. They all African dude. He's like, no, they weren't. They were like, like Muslim or something like that. And I was like, all right, let's play a little game. Because now I want to fuck with you. Let's play a little game, dude. So in the story, Moses is found in a basket floating down the Nile, right? Yeah, he's floating down the Do you know where that river is? He's like, no. I'm like, okay, let's just keep going. Um, so float down the Nile, got picked up from a woman, took him into her temple, actually the queen, and, and, and yada, yada, yada. But anyway, so Moses went back to the Pharaoh and he said, after everything he knew, let my people go, right? He's like, yeah. Okay, so the Pharaoh is another word for king. He's like, yeah. Who calls people Pharaoh? He's like, like people from Egypt. I was like, yeah, Egypt. And Egypt is where? And he looks, he kind of looks off to the side and he stops. And he looks me back, he looks me right in my eyes. Like, he says, go fuck yourself. And he walks the fuck off. Like he just, he, he, he literally get, get, stands straight up and he storms off. We didn't speak for about 20 days after that. Yes. And, 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 keep, and keep in mind for about 20 days, me and him, we have to patrol and guard and do missions and do all these things that we're supposed to be working, you know, side by side. Cause I'm counting on this man to, you know, protect my life. And he's counting on me to protect his life. 20 straight days. He said not a word to me. I would look at him like, hey, man, are you okay? And he shut the fuck up. I'm like, okay, all right, fuck it. You know? About day 21, 22, he came back and he was like, I agree with what you were saying, but I feel that your delivery and how you did that to me was wrong. <laughs> like, come here, you racist son of a bitch. Come here, just like, bring, bring it in, man. Just, just let me love on you for a little bit. You're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But yeah, there's, there's my religion. There's my religion story. <laughs> yes. Well, and so that leads us into what we're going to talk about today. Our goal at Diversity on Fire is to inspire you to think and act differently. We'll do this by sharing our open conversation about controversial issues on all types of diversity related topics. And so religion it's really important to me. It's been a fundamental fundamental factor uh, in the person that I've grown into as a human being, and it guides my values and it helps inform my character. So religion is the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal god or a collection of gods. It can also be described as a pursuit or interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. So we're going to tackle religion, what place it has in our personal lives. If so, what does that look like? And whether or not people fall into more of an agnostic or atheist point of view, whether or not there's a difference between spirituality and religion, and how it shapes our perceptions of morality, and what role, if any, should it play in our governments, from schools to federal regulations and foreign policy. So with all that being said as an intro, I'd like to kind of just start off with um, Ashley, to you, what does religion mean to you personally, if anything? And, you know, how did that thought process in terms of what it means to you, how did you develop into that? Well, thank you so much for such an eloquent question. I'm very excited that I was on mute for the last 14 seconds because I was yelling while you were doing this. So I have a lot of thoughts on 
everything that you just described. Um, I grew up in Minnesota and was baptized and confirmed Lutheran. And we weren't a Christmas and Easter only family, but we definitely weren't an every Sunday family either. It was very much a a part of my life growing up. We did vacation, the summer vacation, Bible school. Um, I went to a Bible camp one time, but it was always very something something that was a little bit distant. Um, my mother uh, is from a very typical Lutheran family in the Midwest. My dad was very spiritual, but was not baptized until he was in his. 50s, 40s or 50s, I believe. So growing up, the conversation around the dinner table was very agnostic. Um, We talked about God and we talked about things from the Lutheran perspective and how my mom felt about things. And then we talked from my dad's perspective back then about a higher power that was really ill-defined. And I I have kind of always adhered to that. And I believe firmly and deeply in a higher power that I know that as a human, I don't have the capacity to fully understand. I've got a lot of really um, intense feelings about organized religion, which I'm sure we're going to dive into. But if I were to label myself as anything, it would be uh, far more spiritual than religious. But I very much acknowledge the existence of a higher power. Okay, that's 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 awesome. So what I want to ask you is because mm-hmm. I actually don't know anything about uh, the Lutheran the Lutheran sect in terms of Christianity. Can you just mm-hmm. kind of tell us what differentiates Lutherans from maybe other sects in Christianity? Uh, it's kind of like Catholic light. I mean, it's very – and Ryan, please help because I know that you probably will be able to. My understanding of Lutheranism is Martin Luther with his 99 theses stormed out of a Catholic church somewhere over in Europe at some point and was like, nah, I'm not about this. I don't think you need a priest to get to God. And he's, he nailed his thing on the door and was like, I'm pretty sure this is about people and God and not people through a priest to God. And that's the root of Lutheranism. I also could be very deeply wrong about that, but that's my understanding after vacation Bible school and the <laughs> life that I've lived up till this point. Okay. Um, and I will hope that my mom listens to this and doesn't want to smite me because I've forgotten <laughs> everything. Um, but yeah, it's it's essentially it's it's Christianity, and it's not nearly as intense or as church based or priest based as Catholicism. It's way less ritualistic is what it sounds like. Yeah. And much more open-minded in my experience, much more um, welcoming, less restrictive. I have gone to Catholic mass. I've gone to Episcopal mass. I've gone to, I mean, I've attended church services of all kinds. I went to an Ethiopian Orthodox service at one point. That was fascinating. The Lutheran church is where I've always felt most welcomed. Okay. Thank you for that insight. Ryan, Tell us a little bit about, you know, what your religious beliefs are and how do you think they've informed you as an adult and, you know, how you kind of came to that place? Uh, Absolutely. No problem. So I was actually raised in a Catholic household. Uh, My mother's African. My father's Hispanic. So, of course, uh, due to just the culture in general, you had absolutely no choice. You were going to church. You're going to sit in the pew. You will be front row on Sunday. Point blank period. Um, back then, uh, with the Catholic Church, it was a lot of Old Testament, so fire, brimstone, anything that you do. While I was younger, what I understood was anything that I did that was deemed unholy by God, automatically I was going to hell. So at that point, when I was younger, I was very, very scared of religion. I was scared of the thought, just even the thought process of my life, my life in general being in someone else's hands. I couldn't really, I couldn't understand that. Um, that translated to 
my teenage years, joining the military and living the military life uh, for a while, actually, I kind of stepped away from the church. I saw that I went on my first deployment when I was around 18, 19. I saw um, a, lot, a lot of good things, but a lot of bad things that happened during that time. And my thought process at that point was, well, how can God let something like this happen you know, to his children. Um, that actual thought process didn't change until I hit about, I want to say about 27, um, probably like my third or fourth near-death experience. Um, I remember I remember being laid up and kind of saying like, yo, God, you know, if you, you know, like the, the stereotypical, like, God, if you get me through this, I promise I'll never do it again. And he got, <laughs> me, and he got me through it. So I was, you know, I was like, dang it. Now I can't renege on what I said to Jesus. <laughs> So, so, so to Jesus, yes. right, right. So, um, I actually went back to the Catholic Church, but even being in the Catholic Church, um, I found that me being older, a lot of my beliefs and a lot of my life experiences that I gained, like traveling the world, it really didn't actually align with the Catholic Church. So, I ended up switching, and I went to the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Church, and that kind of, that just became my second home. Actually, it's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be ordained as as a priest when I go to a seminary. I feel well, not I feel. I know, as a matter of fact, that entire that entire thought process I had absolutely nothing to do with. Like I said before, I kind of told Jesus, "If you get me through it, I'll never do this again." So Jesus came back with this glorious sense of humor and was like, "Hey, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to have a stroke at 31." And oh wow! Yeah, so I had a, I actually had a stroke last year. Um, laid up in a hospital in the ICU. Doctor standing over me, trying to figure out. Am I going to make it? They're trying to decide if they're going to move me or keep me. Uh, they were thinking about blood thinner medicine. It was just everyone was freaked out except for me. And at that moment, I, Jesus came down. And he talked to me one more time and he was like, hey, guess what? All that cool guy stuff you did now, I'm going to need a return on that. So you're going to go and be a priest. And that's it. And I was like, all right, Lord, your will be done. So <laughs> so ever since last year, I've, I've been nonstop just spreading the good word whenever I can. Like I said, I, I opted into school and thank God that, you know, to God be the glory that I actually got accepted. Um, religion for me, I kind of take on the exact same thought process that was given to me by my mother, which as we got older, I have a ton of siblings and we all kind of drifted in different uh, different avenues of religion. I have I have sisters who are Catholic. I have, a, I have sisters who are non-denomination. I have sisters who are Baptist. I have sisters who are Protestant and my mother was kind of like, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you pray to. It doesn't matter, you know, who you align with. As long as you hit your knees and you understand, like Ashley said, there's a higher power above you and it, there's things that you just can't comprehend. And no man or woman can do this thing called life alone. Amen. Yes. So you said Anglican church, right? Yeah, Anglican. Okay. And what would you say the kind of prevailing philosophy for Anglican? Um, the, that sect is compared to kind of what most people would ascribe? Uh, absolutely, no problem. So the Anglican Church actually came from the Roman Catholic Church back in, I want to say, the 16th century. Uh, there were a group of priests and nuns who had a uh, very, very extreme disagreement with the church. So Anglicans believe, if I were to roll into a nutshell, Anglicans believe that if it is not written in the Bible, if it is not, if it does not come from that book, it doesn't count. Um, there, back in the back in the 16th century, of course, and you had you have the church, which the church kind of sat at the same power, Isis, at Axis as you know the king or queen of England. So the priests and the nuns who left the church saw that 
wait a minute, like these these role models and these figures of the church are actually kind of underhandedly doing sneaky little things and making putting themselves on the same pedestal as God of saying, like, you can't get to God without coming through me first, well, which is not true because the Bible says, you know, come to me, you're sick, you're worried, and we have no problem with that. So, um, yeah, if I were rolling in a nutshell, it's just anything that's in the Bible, we agree with, we love it, we rock with it. If it ain't in that Bible, mm, you're going to have to convince me just a little bit, brother. Fair enough. I think we'll end up kind of touching on these different belief systems through this conversation. Heather, what do you have to add in terms of like your personal feelings on just religiosity in general? So I will definitely be the odd man out in this group because to me, if I were to label myself, I wouldn't. I have a very complicated history with religion. Um, When I hear religion, it makes me feel like um, restriction, divisiveness, judgment. Um, those are things that come to mind when I think of religion. However, I will clarify that I don't necessarily like, I don't have a problem with other people having religion. I have a problem. The parts of religion that I have a really struggled with is the hypocrisy that comes along with it and someone thinking that what they think is supposed to be what I think. So, and I know that that's, I'm, I'm taking my experiences and I'm applying them to the whole and I fully recognize that that's not how they belong, but that's just my experience. So when you ask me what it means to me, that's what it means to me because my history with it has told me that. I think that's super fair because, yeah, I think there's a lot of that, which kind of brings it uh, up to where I'm going to open the conversation up as a whole and kind of let's go ahead and round table it. But I want to start with... Hang on, Nina, can you tell us about your thoughts real quick? Oh, I forgot about me. (laughs) Uh, Come on now. Who are you, mystery person asking me questions? What is this? I totally turned into interview mode and I was like you Don't really talk about did tell, yeah. no tell us about you <laughs> so yeah yeah that's fair so also i come from a family that my parents are immigrants we've touched on that before from west africa and so my mom went to a catholic school so it looks like we all have a lot of catholic in yeah. our um, histories <laughs> but catholicism is like what the biggest religious um sect in christianity so there there's fair so she went to catholic school and i don't know why she didn't stick with Catholicism. But by the time I was born, she was going to a Protestant church. So vacation Bible school, because we're too poor and we're coming from Southwest Iowa. So there's not really camp, right? There's vacation Bible school. And that's kind of like pretend camp. So (laughs) there was a lot of that. Same thing, had to attend. Like that was just part of growing up, learning about God. And um, our requirements were part of it. The whole hellfire thing was part of it as well. But then my mom pretty early drifted from that and started associating with Jehovah's Witnesses. I do feel that a lot of that had to do with her um, upbringing because, you know, the parents coming from where they came from, they weren't dealing with Santa Claus and Easter bunnies. And and that felt to her very paganistic. And so and uh, where my parents were from, there's still a lot of dealing with like witchcraft and there's still a lot of basically like putting curses on people that's still at least way back then uh, i don't know about now but that was still part of the ethos in the culture and so there is a very strong sense of staying away from anything that could have any potential demonic ties right and so that was something that was infused in um part of my growing up she became a witness witnesses don't celebrate birthdays witnesses don't celebrate um, christmas 
Uh, witnesses don't really celebrate much of anything except for like anniversaries. I never fully subscribed to that thought process. However, I did pick up a lot of things. And so now what I would say about myself, I would say I'm a Christian, but I'd say I'm not a traditional Christian. However, I feel like I'm a tr traditional Christian according to what the Bible actually says, which is that we're part of the new covenant, which means we're not under the old covenant. And if you guys don't know what I'm referencing, it's just that there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament was the Jewish people underneath the laws that God gave them, such as the Ten Commandments. And then when Jesus came, Jesus came to die for our sins, and therefore he shed his blood, and that broke those traditions. And so now we're underneath the new covenant. And Jesus only gave two commands, and it was to love God above all else and to love one another. That was it. Through the course of learning, studying, and educating myself, I've kind of come to my own place, which is basically more humanity-based. And so I don't subscribe to a lot of the things. I'm probably very much what people would call a liberal Christian because I, I'm, I'm technically pro-choice. Do I personally think that abortion is wrong? It's questionable, but I actually don't think it's biblically, I don't think that there's a good biblical foundation for it. So my beliefs sometimes just make other people insane. Like, <laughs> I mean, insane, but... I'm like, I know the Bible. I've read it several times. I could say that maybe you're right and maybe I'm right. But then even in the New Testament, it gives room for that. I think Paul gave a couple of choices where it's like, if this is wrong for you, then you shouldn't do that. Um, but it may not be wrong. And so I actually have a really open view. I consider myself more spiritual, but I, I would still say that I'm Christian, just non-traditional. You are the first person that I have ever heard talk about the Bible in such an approachable, non-conflict-driven way. That so, what you just said was really, really refreshing for me. And I think what I've what I've always heard about the Bible and biblical thought and biblical doctrine and like the way that people who live by the Bible conduct themselves is a really is is a really conflict-driven message. It's this is the way it should be, and if you don't follow this, I'm not on board with you, and you can't be a part of our club, whatever that looks like. My argument has always been, what part of the Bible are you referencing when you're stand when you're thumping it? Like, what's where? Like, because my opinion, ill-informed as it may be, is that there isn't anything in the Bible that can't be argued by something else in the Bible. There's a lot of things in the Bible that can be interpreted in a couple of different ways. And we're talking about a book that was written thousands of years ago. And right. we're talking about a book that was written in a different language. And then right. we're talking about translating that over time. And over so and over to, and over again. And over and over again. And so to take that assumption um, and then, then try to say that you're unqualified, the only person that understands it, I think is arrogance. And I think that you have to allow room for your personal relationship with God, which is what Ryan was attesting to, is that you're supposed to develop a personal one and let that inform you. And if you're truly doing that, then the things that Heather's experienced won't happen because you won't have that level of hypocrisy, especially when you're always trying to employ your religion on other people as a mechanism of control. Nina, you might be the second coming. <laughs> We've, I think you. I think you predicted that before. I have. I've called Nina the Messiah. I think she is. Just like like little M though, like super little M. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So so I guess to kind of lean into back into the the open table of it because of my beliefs in it. That's why I'm so curious as to what other people think. So. How do you define morality? Where does that come from for you? 
And for example, we have people who are atheist and agnostic, which are technically two different things, right? So atheism is the belief Super that there different. is no higher power. Mm -hmm. And then agnostic is the belief that there can be a higher power, but they're not necessarily involved in our day-to-day -day being. And I'm curious to what you guys think. I personally believe in aliens, for example. I know people are going to be like, what? But aren't, isn't God an alien? I mean, if you're thinking about it in its most intrinsic form, that would be the case, right? Or aliens or demons or however you think about it. And I think the world's too big for us to just assume that we're the only things that there are. So I allow a lot of room for the possibility of things beyond, you know, our capability of knowledge. For sure. Absolutely. And the particular flavor of agnosticism that I subscribe to is not necessarily that there, there is a higher power that doesn't give a shit about what's happening on Earth. I feel that there absolutely is a higher power. And I feel like I've got a ton of life experience that lends uh, kind of credibility to that. But I, very similarly to the way that you just described our ability to understand and conceptualize the entire universe, including aliens, I don't feel that our little baby human brains can conceptualize something as magnificent as a higher power. We only have our perception of it. And I feel like your perception is your reality and it's rooted in the individual. And that's why the idea of organized religion is something that I struggle with. But at the same time, I'm conflicted about that because I understand the purpose that organized religion plays. And Ryan, you and I have talked about this a lot, which is the basic human need to be around like humans. It's a survival mechanism to surround yourself with people that think and feel about things the way that you do. And organized religion at its core is that. It's a social mechanism for people to bond and share an experience. I think that's a necessary part of the, the species. I think we need that. With that, I think that we as humans are limited in our scope of understanding. And if you start to project your own shit on God and then project that shit onto the people around you, you become the, the Bible thumper or the hyper the fanatic that gives organized religion the bad name and the bad experiences that you've had, Heather, that I think all of us have probably run into from time to time. Oh, yeah. To be clear, my my experiences that are negative aren't necessarily with people that are, mm, I wouldn't call them Bible thumping. I, I would call them um, I would call the situations and unfortunately multiple and unfortunately across various sects of religion. So Catholic, Christian, Jehovah's Witness, people that utilize the religion as an excuse for their immoral behavior. Yes. And that is not yes. okay with me because you can't, and, and going back to your piece, Nina, you mentioned morality. How do you define that? I mean, it's, it's one of the most simplistic things that we can define. It is good or bad. And I understand that that's very, that maybe that's too simplistic. That's exactly what it is. But of course, everyone has their line of, oh, well, there's a gray line and maybe it's okay in this situation and not okay. I don't really subscribe to that. I think there are most things, it's pretty clear. I think the line between good and good and evil or morality in general is, I think you can, the easiest way to do it is, that, is but first do no harm. Yeah. If you're not causing harm, mm -hmm. you're good. Right. But even that's super subjective. Right. Like, that, and that's what I was going to say. It It mm -hmm. is. Um, yeah. I was going to say, do you know, harms kind of has a lot to do with kind of how I live my life. You're, you're kind of making me think right now because I'm trying to decide how I define it. And part of it's, do you know, harm. But I think a lot of it is just 
I mean, I, I was going to say, I just hate to be so cliche, but it really does come down to you. Do you, what I want for my, like do for other people as I would want have done for myself. So, you know, I, it's very much centered around what can we do that is going to bring about the least amount of harm for the most amount of people and or bring joy. So I guess the, I, I kind of have a com- complex view of that. But and so and I'm just going to dive right into like my whole abortion thing, because it's the easiest one for me to articulate. I don't personally, I still have a struggle with whether or not I think it's immoral. So I will say that. However, um, I will come back to saying that what I believe is that I believe that that choice has to be left up to that individual and that you cannot dictate morality in that sense for that individual. You can make sure people don't steal from other people or don't rape other people or don't murder other people like other people that are out in the world. But something so fundamentally constructive to what's going to happen to someone's life. But what we can do is we can take a lot of steps to make that decision easier or more supported. So first of all, stop shaming single mothers. First of all, celebrate life if that's what they choose to do. Stop making it difficult for people to get contraception. Start teaching consent-based sex education to everyone um, so that people are educated. When you put support systems in place, you'll find that you're going to get more of the result that you want. But if you're not really actually concerned about the other people, then maybe you'll just want to put some kind of rule in place because you're not really focusing on people's well-being and their health, and you're really just focused on controlling them. And then that's a whole different conversation, and it's not one that I find biblically based. That, I think, is the root of all of the evil. That in all conversation that is religiously inclined in any way, the spinning of the conversation to enact control rather than to protect and unite is, I think, the root of where everything goes sour quickly. And unfortunately, because humans are super flawed, awful things, for the most part, all of us are that. That's what we do. That's what we've done over the course of history. And then the flip side of that conversation is when you have people that are like you, Nina, or like you, Ryan, who are using the power of kind of harnessed thought and shared experience and a and a, and a really healthy religious upbringing for good to heal, to unite, to educate, to enlighten. Like you guys are drowned out by all of the rest of the bullshit across the globe. Well, nationalism and religion are how you control people. Yeah, I I, I agree with what you're saying, Ashley. Um. I will say, I will say looking at both sides of it. So coming from when I was younger and I just didn't, I I was like, you know what? I just completely give up. I can, I can understand why people do that. I mean, why, why people weaponize it? Because if you kind of look at it, they're scared themselves. So I'm scared. I'm going to make you scared. I mean, that's just, that's just the way we are. But I find that it's really, so like turning the corner and turning turning my life around, I, you know, ladies, let me know if, the, if this happens to you. I mean, just period. I find it that it's very hard to stand firm in what I believe and not be criticized by those who don't agree with me. I mean, I can, I can understand that, you know, what I believe in or what I think is completely different than what they think or what they believe in. And I would love to, I would love to just have that conversation, have the debate, we agree that we agree that we both disagree. You know, we disagree on this. We agree to disagree, but we respect each other enough to say, okay, well, that's just not for me. And that's perfectly fine because I find that like the first thing that normally comes out of people's mouths is first, you, you, you're going to be a priest. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm, I'm yeah, that's, that's, that's me. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go be a priest. <laughs> 
I'm cool like that. Right, because that's how I feels. I will say like the second the second thing is like, oh Lord, here we come. Like you're gonna try and force this down my throat. It's like, oh whoa, 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 whoa. I I like to to be 120 percent honest with you, man. God says I gotta love you because you're my brother or my sister. I don't give a shit what you think. Like, like just chill, just chill out. If you don't agree with it, that's cool. But I'm not here to force anything on you. I'm let's, I'm here to talk. Like, I would love to talk to you or just figure out why you don't believe this or that. What I think, and from my standpoint, it's just become really, really hard to get into this because I find myself getting into the stance. And let me know if you're the same, if you felt the same or been witness to the same, that you have to defend yourself a lot. And then you have to, like, at the end of it, you're kind of like, well, why... Like, why did I, why was that even necessary? Like, why do I have to defend myself? Like, that makes absolutely no sense. I feel like my experience with your experience and, um, and then the rest of you guys can chip in too, is that when you say that you are a Christian and then part of your belief conflicts with part of their belief, then they feel that you're invalidating their belief. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah, and so. I got you. Yeah. And so there's something that is extremely, it seems to me in my experience, it seems to be very threatening to them about it. Yeah. And so then there's this requirement to try to like, to shove you back into the belief system that you have, yeah. um, that they have. And if you don't accept that, then either they must relegate you to hell mm. or something's wrong with you because something's not wrong with them. They can't even really deal with, that's okay that you think that. For them, it has to be no you just have to accept what I'm telling you. And I'm like, mm. no, no, I can, I can take a look at your biblically based argument. Mm-hmm. And I will say like 95% of people don't actually even know what's in the Bible at all. Okay. So, um, but I can take a look at that mm-hmm. and I can still say, I can see where you're coming from on that. Like mm-hmm. I can see where you're coming from on commun- communion, mm-hmm. but I actually don't personally subscribe to that. And I have my own argument for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with you taking communion and I'm okay with not taking communion. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm going to hell because yeah. I don't. And I don't yeah. think you're going to hell because you do. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. Like it's perfectly fine. Like it's okay. It's okay. That I, what you, what you just said, I, the reason why I was, I had a little chuckle. I don't know if you heard in the middle. I mean, actually, actually had a conversation earlier at the grocery store and some of the things that you were saying was like literally like lining up with exactly what me and her were talking about earlier. Uh, that's for a different conversation, different podcast people. I think that I feel the same. Ryan, what you were saying earlier in terms of like, or people yeah. finding out what you're doing and then immediately they're on like the defensive. Yeah. I feel like that on the opposite side. Okay. And from the opposite side, I mean like, I swear. So if I swear, oh, I'm going to hell. I have a tattoo. I'm going to hell. Like there's, yeah. look, if we look at religion if we look at the Bible, uh-huh. it's all an interpretation from someone else. So, and everybody interprets it in their own way. So uh-huh. if we can just have a respectful conversation about how we interpret it, then perhaps we can come to common ground or not, but it doesn't matter. It's just about having being able to have that conversation. The uh-huh. problem is though, is that people, and I guess this goes to the weaponization piece is like when someone picks one piece of it because there's a lot of pieces of the bible if you want to interpret it they contradict themselves there's a lot of different stories that you're like wait hold on it said this and now it says this and that doesn't mean it's discredited in any i'm not saying it's it's not valid it's just it's because it's a different perspective and like you and your family and your mom says you know whatever you choose as long as you are praising a higher power to me 
I think that's beautiful and amazing, but also super confusing because when I look at religion, it seems like when you're a part of one particular religion and Nina, you you are an outsider in this regard too because of your um, open-mindedness. But like when you have, when you ascribe to a specific religion, because religion versus spirituality to me is religion is a specific set of beliefs and spirituality is the ability to believe in a higher power and accept and respect that without having to contain it within these specific parameters. So that's, and so I don't know, maybe you guys think about that's it differently. very well put. I think so too. Cause for yeah, me, okay. I, I take doctrine out of it and then that's mm. where I come with spirituality. And yeah. I am, I'm kind of not personally a huge doctrine fan. Do you want to share one? I don't even, I don't even know if actual fans of doctrine would say they're fans of doctrine. I think yeah, it's yeah. so laced with tumultuality, or that's not a word. Please cut that out. I think <laughs> actually, I think it sounds like a word. Is it's, it? We it, like, sounds, right. it, it sounds politically If correct, we can, yeah. if we can, we, we added can it to the dictionary. Confirm that it is a word, then leave it. In. GTS, Google that shit. Yikes. Um, no, I, I, I can agree to that. I can, I can honestly agree to that. I, I, I can say that one of the, one of the major reasons why I left. Catholicism was because of that reason, and it felt that even like like you know elder seniors and elders in the church, like that would be like one of the first things they would do. They could they could easily if you came with a problem or a situation, they could easily like regurgitate something from the Bible right back at you. It's not like, even it, it might not even work, it might not even fit in what's going on with you. But they were so quick to give it right back to you, and like and no insight, no no actual depth, no analysis of like your situation or, or personally for you. It was just, it's just a blanket. It's you know, just a blanket overstatement. And having that and seeing that over yeah. and over, like over and over and over again. Yeah. For after a while, you, you would definitely be like, you know what? Like I'm damned if I do. And I'm damned if I don't. And then, okay, I read this and this person said it's like this, but this other person said the same thing was different. Okay. I'm just, I'm done. Whatever. Well, and like you said, they're regurgitating it. It's not, they're not listening to the actual thing. They're just repeating Mm -hmm, something. mm -hmm. And I don't think it's the example Christ set either. Because the thing about Christ is he gave a lot of examples of stepping outside of lines, right? He was not doctrine-driven. That's why he only gave two laws. He spoke about the lamb falling into the well. And so even if the lamb falls into the well on the Sabbath, are you not going to rescue your lamb? That takes priority. So there are times when you set aside the law for the practicality and for the good of what needs to be done. Also, when he talked about going through the fields on the Sabbath and eating, picking the wheat to eat, that that was work, but that basically people were getting too caught up in the law and then missing the point of the law. Yeah. Nina, I'd go to your church. Girl. (laughs) Girl. Sermons on sermons on sermons. Just forever. So... I feel like there's a trend in all of the conversations that we've had up until this point. And Heather, back me up on this or tell me that I'm an effing nutcase because I think it's probably one or the other. The root of all of these super complex, nuanced, multifaceted, layered things that we talk about every week is that everyone's perspective is different. And everyone brings a different set of experiences and trauma and just their own shit to the table. And therefore, we'll take away from it whatever they're going to. Where we run into trouble is where I take my experiences and try to force your experiences into the shapes that mine have created. Right. And I think we used that quote when we were 
when we were introducing um, when we did Nina's interview is we said like, you have to be able to accept my experience the way I tell you Mm -hmm. it is, as opposed Mm -hmm. to the way you believe it should have been or that it was like your experience is not mine. Yeah, definitely. Religion is not excluded from that. I think religion is probably the most area of human life where that should be the most applicable Mm. and where it's not. Because it's hard. It's hard to address a massive group of people and provide a message that everyone that everyone can adhere to from their own perspective. I think that's that's really, really challenging. And I think when you look at um, the people who are doing it right, Nina, like there's very little that you say that I can't agree with because of the way that you present it. And I think we may find something that we disagree on someday, but we haven't yet. Trying to take judgment out of it changes a lot. So that actually kind of leads us into the next part of this, guys, which is kind of the natural progression of this conversation. And that's Mm -hmm. taking all our different religious beliefs and things like that and addressing how do we deal with that in terms of United States and the separation of the church and state, you know, how education's included, local and federal laws, or even how, you know, as a country, we handle uh, our global being and what, you know, because people keep saying that this is a Christian nation, which you can argue that if you're just taking a look at the fundamentals of when uh, the country was first mm. put together and the documents and, and the people who fervently didn't believe that. But it's turning into a thing right now again. And isn't there an inherent danger of trying to say that uh, one religion is supposed to be the providing guidelines for us? Because what if somebody comes in and changes it and it's not what you like? Um, isn't that also part of why people came here on the Mayflower was to get away from religious rule? So thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. Clarifying question really quickly before I go all the way the fuck <laughs> off on this. <laughs> okay. I This, is, this right. is why I was on mute earlier because I was yelling about <laughs> this. Nina, who is say, from in the question that you just asked, who is saying that we are a Christian nation? I would say I'll, the majority of Americans tend to ascribe to us that yes. description. The majority of Americans are deeply wrong. I think that I would in, say that in, you in, have a good argument based on historical papers. But go ahead and right. tell us about it. <laughs> Thank you. I am I am on Team Thomas Jefferson for so many reasons. He's a problematic historical figure for lots of them. And I want to talk to you about all of them because I'm obsessed and because I love him. There are so many things that we can cover, but the root of all of this is is a majority of them are a majority of Americans Christian. Yeah, that's just simple math. Does that make America a Christian country? Absolutely not. We are founded on a separation of church and state. It is the First Amendment. And then the doctrine that was written, doctrine is a bad word to use, but the document that was written by Thomas Jefferson to support the First Amendment and drive this and build the wall between church and state for lots and lots and lots of reasons is one of the integral, integral parts of being an American. You can do whatever you want to do when you come here. That's the whole point. And so to say that we are a Christian nation, I think is ironically kind of blasphemous. Actually, I can't argue with that. I, it, it does it does feel like, a, especially since I, once again, the whole idea of Christ was that your salvation can't come from the government. Right. Brian. Ryan, I'm going to need you to speak up here because this these facial expressions are just driving me nuts. Are we about to fight? Do you want to fight? We can fight. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So um, 
I, I, I can, yeah. He's like, yeah. wow. Okay, so, you know, strap up your seatbelts because here we go. Um, I can say, I can say from being, because for being a soldier for so long and watching, I agree that there is supposed to, there is supposed to be a separation of religion from state. That that fact I feel never happens. And the only reason why I say it never happens is for the topic of this the topic of this podcast. If you look back and look at it, any political figure or both political parties have always used and leaned on the crutch of Christianity to push a point across. If that's like their last Hail Mary ditch effort. You'll see like God bless America, God bless us and God bless America. Or there'll always be like it's always like a Bible thumper in the group somewhere that uses the crutch of Christianity to prop up and appeal to whatever masses they're trying to, to get to. But it's like, but for them to do that, like, you know the game that you're playing. You know what you're doing, but you come off like very like sneakily. That's not even a word, but it comes off very sneakily. Well, you're right, because I, I mean... Otherwise, it wouldn't have turned into this gigantic issue how they were trying to say that Obama was Muslim, even though that wasn't supposed to matter at all, right? But it was a way to other him and to try to diminish him. Um, and that was trying to fundamentally say that there's something wrong with Muslims on top of everything else. So it was xenophobic, racist, and religion all mashed up in some kind of ugly mess. It's all a giant ugly mess. And then you take people that adhere to the ugly mess, make it work for them in the most maniacal and evil is the only word that I can come up with. And it's not a good enough one, in my opinion. I think radicalization is probably the umbrella term that we could use to cover up all of those things. Nina, do you have thoughts? So as far as that goes, I really... It, it's there's so much to it that it's it's hard to quantify it. It's hard to qualify it. I really what I focus on is is I, I focus on a micro level, which is personal. Um, I'm curious as to what you guys think though. Mm-hmm. And using the separation of religion and uh, church and state. Sorry, I want to kind of talk about what do we look at when we really bring that to a micro level in terms of personal freedoms versus governmental restrictions. So vaccines whether or not, you know, medical exemptions for that, whether or not you can, like for Jehovah's Witnesses, it's blood transfusions. For some other sects, it's whether or not they take their kid to a doctor, uh, medical treatment. At what point does personal freedom get exempted out of church and state? Because we talk about that, but like Ryan said, there is a melding and there is a point where there has to be some delineation. Um, or there has to be a point where you say, like, for example, David Koresh, I'm sorry, but you can't have a bunch of 10-year-old child brides. You just can't. Don't care what your religion says. So there's- Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. There's some merit. So I think – so So this is fascinating. I think it all kind of ties together in that the – separation of church and state and also doing no harm creates really very clear lines for me between what's right and what's wrong. Heather, I'm sure you're going to have some thoughts about this and I want I want to hear them all. But for me, with regard to vaccines, like I don't think that vaccination and the science and data behind it should have anything to do with religion or vice versa. I think as a as an adult, you are free to make your own choices and do no harm is applicable with that. I think if we talked about this a little bit, but if you are raising small children and sending them to public schools and the data supports vaccination as a way to spread real as a way to prevent the spread of really awful communicable disease, I don't think there's a question there. So there isn't for us. 
But you have to recognize that a lot of those people straight up reject that science. Right. So I, I think, for example, the witnesses have changed a little bit, but before they simply rejected, uh, like a lot of churches, frankly, that the earth was millions and billions of years old. It was simply 6,000 years. And there's people who cling to that regardless of any information because fundamentally it's part of their identity. And so that has to be accounted for and handled in some way. I, I, I will say that that's, that's a tough one. That's a, that's a pretty tough one. I don't think it is. I think it's really simple. I think like, that's where uh, democracy wins. Well, <laughs> and the people that feel that way are in the in the aggressive, aggressive minority. And that's why those people will not and probably should not be in power to make decisions for the greater good of the country. The, the, on, the only reason why I say that is because I'm looking at this through two different scopes. I'm looking at this like through a civilian scope and I'm looking at this through like, you know, my, my pre- program military brain and the civilian side of me is like is um i kind of don't i don't see a problem with it I, I guess the military side of me like looking at this and looking at the entire thing is saying okay if i'm going to if i'm going to intrude or just like completely throw your beliefs or how you feel and everything out the window and i'm going to cross that line just like it'd have to be life limb or eyesight like okay vaccine Vaccines for children. That's that's a life. That's a life thing. If you if your kid doesn't get vaccinated, it is shown and studied like these like these things will happen. And okay, military story time. Here we go. So getting ready to go to Iraq, um, we had a, we had a giant sit down. We got we were getting told when we got there we're going to be doing convoy missions. We're going to be doing a bunch of missions, and we're going to be doing missions with the our Iraq counterparts, the Iraqi army. And you know, there's a whole bunch of problems, but no one really no one really gave it too much of a huff and puff. At the same time, there was a big giant, let's just call it what it is, like this big old smear campaign against Muslims going on at the time of, you know, Christian, good, Muslim, bad. Like this, so this thing, this little thing that's now been spun up is now infecting like troops. And we were told that in a situation, like in a combative situation, if you, if the end, if you were to run by a guy that you just fired and he's hurt and he's laying on the ground and you can render first aid, you do it. And a lot of people were like, uh, no, I'm not touching. Like, I'm not touching him. I'm not doing that. And they're like, okay, why? Well, one, he was shooting at me. And two, he's a Muslim. And the answer we got back from our, our, our acting, um, our acting surgeon, our like battalion surgeon at the time was every, anybody and everybody is afforded life. Like that's point blank period. That, 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 that is, is just given to you. So you have that luxury. If you can help save someone's life, no matter who it is, you do it. That's it. Like end of discussion. So I feel that if I'm gonna if if I'm gonna blow past like what you believe in, and I, to give it like a yeah, it's hard. It is hard. I mean, I I honestly don't even Man, have an hard. answer. That's why I wanted to bring it up to you guys because um, it, it's hard. That's hard. It it's this is a very complicated situation. Just real quick to the mind fuck that is you are shooting at someone, but if they if you hit them, you're supposed to try to save them. That's that's just that. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you wrap your head around that. That's insane to me. I, I just can't even imagine what that does to someone trying to reconcile those things all in seconds and and I, I guess it, like it kind of it just makes you numb. Yeah, and that's a problem. It, so it it makes it, it makes you it just makes it makes you numb to like anything really of importance. And you see, you know, they say like the black and white, you know, everything's either black or white. You get you get spun up to just live in this gray area. And the things that the things that if anyone were to look at, like you said, like, I don't know how I would do that. Even when I was doing it, I was telling myself, I don't know how I'm doing this, but I'm doing it. It's like my body is moving. Because um, like you said, you called it programming before. How did you come home and rectify that? Sorry. Um. So... Okay. Um. 
be completely completely transparent with everybody. I actually came home. I felt the need that I need to get back into church because um, I was a young man and and like I was a young man in war and that's just it was just weird. We'll say that. But when I came home, I was looking to reconcile it so I can have some peace. Because the, the the biggest thing I was looking for was like I just want peace, peace of mind, a clear conscience. Like I just want this weight off of me. I don't want to feel this anymore. And I went to confession, and I confessed I confessed everything and everything and anything that happened while I was deployed. And the priest looked through the window and he gave me gave me like a little you know pep talk of hey everything's okay you know you do what you have to do. But I remember I had to say six Hail Marys. And like three Our Fathers, like that was my penance for everything I just said, like everything I everything I just divulged to this man. It was six Hail Marys and a couple Our Fathers, and I was just like, wow, like that that right there that messed me up because a part of me was saying like, oh, I, that's all I got to do? What? Okay, like I'm good. We'll, we can go do this all over again. But the actual sensible part of me was like, is is that the price of a life? Is 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 that what is that what us like human beings? Is that how we view each other? Is that is that what religion is? Is that what we think it is? Of you know, I can do like just these atrocities, and as long as I take some water, put it on my head, make the cross and pray. It's all gone. What? Like that's, that's impossible. That is impossible. And took a lot of sit downs and a lot of other conversations with um, a couple of people who were involved in my church to finally explain it to me of like, that's if that's not all what religion is about. Religion as a whole means so much more than just what you, you know, what you can get away with. And yeah. I think it's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. The two stories that you just told, how they kind of mirror each other. So when you're at war, you're shooting at somebody and then you're supposed to go save them. And then Mm -hmm. when you come back and you're riddled with this guilt and you go to search for absolution that all you need to do is do these little things. It's just your and your brain in both situations is saying what the fuck? Like this doesn't make sense. This doesn't <laughs> yeah. make sense. Like, this is not make so sense. I commend you for having the fortitude yeah. and the, the mental capacity to say that it doesn't make sense and to seek out something alternative to help you find the path that you needed to find yeah. to actually feel the way that you need to feel. Um Thank you. That was really powerful. Yeah. Mine, if we're going back to what we think about, you know, the hard, the hard thing of telling people when and what's right and what's wrong and how it should be separated. I mean, the problem is you're going to run into is there's always going to be someone else's definition on what's right and what's wrong. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of like, if, if you're, sure. I think I always, and I said this before, but I always draw the line at kids. So kids, I always draw the line, but, but when I was, I don't even know how old I was young, but one of the experiences I had when we were uh, Jehovah's Witnesses is that there was a four-year-old girl from our congregation that was, I think she was at the babysitters and I think she had gotten into some sort of pills. I don't know. I don't remember exactly the whole story, but essentially it played out that she needed blood they refused to give her blood. And so four-year-old kid died. And for me, I was, oh, wow. I'm trying to remember how old I was. It was like right when my parents were getting divorced. So I was probably like nine-ish, I think. Yeah, probably like nine. And I remember thinking like, well, why didn't they just give her blood? Like, I don't understand that. But as an adult, now I look and I'm like, as a parent, you take on that responsibility. So it should be their decision. I don't agree with it, but it should be their decision. So it's really, really hard where to draw that line on control because I'm with you, Nina, in the, and that's why I think I reject a lot of, a lot of the specifics when it comes to organized religion. 
because I I dig down to the personal level. You know what I mean? If you're not hurting somebody, then what you're doing, why do I get to tell you that you can't? Yeah. And when it's about, you know, who people are fundamentally, then it's challenging. My mom, you know, got cancer and died and they were trying to blood transfuser and she did it and my and she died and my dad had a hard time with that. That part didn't bother me because the reality is she was going to die anyway. It was liver cancer, which at the time was like 99% fatal. And so luckily that part of it, um, I didn't have the hang up with, but because I just knew enough about, you know, medical science at that point too, to th- that I knew that, that that wasn't the crisis flashpoint, but what if it is, you know, and there, there are so many examples of that. And, and children is also the, the issue, right, with, with child. But then I end up coming back to kind of my personal belief, which this is where it all gets tricky, because at the end, you come back to who you are fundamentally. And if your religious beliefs drive that, then they are intertwined. And to some degree, that's okay, unless you're pushing it on other people. But I come down to if it's a child, and if it's in the child's best interest, then we need to do what we need to do. And then they'll go ahead and be able to come past that. And you don't have to put your adult guilt on that child because that's the other issue. But as an adult, if my mom doesn't want to accept that that's her decision. Now, that all being said, that's how as an adult, actually, it started with my mom, but I was 18. But that's a grown kid to me. But long story short, I now believe in euthanasia. And normally, that would have been against my religious beliefs. But now I've been able to come to a place where I look at the whole and I have really, really dug into Jesus' personal teachings about taking a look at things individually and making a decision from there, where I now no longer have a problem with that because I think that people are allowed their own decisions as an adult. Totally. And the individualization of all of this, I think, is the trend, right? Ryan, when you were talking about coming back from war and finding a sense of comfort and absolution and support and understanding in the church. That, in my opinion, is why organized religion is so vital to the human race. Mm. We all need a place to go and seek those things. And for a lot of people, the church is the only place that they have. And for that reason, it'll never go away. It's the only place. It's not where I would go, but I have a massive support network outside of the church that a lot of people don't have. And I think the individual experience with that's, that's the trend and the theme in every anecdote we've shared tonight is that the benefit in all of this is rooted in its individuality. And when you try to take something as individual and personal and intensely nuanced and complicated as religion and spirituality and try to mass produce it, that's where you end up in trouble. When I think about the person that Jesus was, a good person, the type of person that in stories that you read and all of the things that we know would be a person that you could just walk up to and have a conversation, no matter what color you looked like, no matter what you were wearing, if you smelled, if you didn't smell, it doesn't matter. That doesn't exist to me in organized religion. And I wish it did. I wish it did. I think it does, but I think it doesn't exist very well on a large scale. But I will say I have been to churches that I didn't know anybody. And I will say that I felt like the presence and the magic of God. And I don't know how to explain what that's like. Um, Usually for me, it's revolving around music. Honestly, you'll go in there and there's a message and it's not one of hate. It's not one of judgment. It's one of blessings and prosperity, Uh, but not money, but just like well wishes. 
And so when you see like, because there are church examples that I've seen, you know, not the prosperity gospels, because I do have an issue with that, but where they come together and they do what I can only describe as miracles for people in their congregation and people in their community. When they when they come and they sing and they pray and they come together for you to make sure your kids are taken care of after somebody's died or when there is a magic in that and that sometimes there aren't strings attached. I, I, I will say I've experienced it and you will feel something in your soul that is indescribable. Usually it reduces me to tears, but I, I, I can't trade that. And I know it's bigger than me. And so I think once you've, once you've experienced it, you can accept that. But that doesn't mean that you can't question the parameters by which it exists. And it doesn't mean that you have to accept that other people's definition of that's correct. I, I think you can I think you can have both, Heather. I, I do. Do you think it's fair to acknowledge that that experience that you're talking about is rooted in community and humans and not necessarily in religion? Are we talking to me or are we talking to Nina? Nina. Oh, okay. Because that's and wholly you. where I think it that's wholly where I yeah. think it, it is. Because that experience, Nina, that you just described is a beautiful one. But I think that happens inside and outside the church all the time. I will say that it, I, I know what you're saying. And so what I will say is for me, I have to say that. Can you experience that? Yes, but it, it isn't the same way. And I'm going to let Ryan kind of share his thoughts too. But there's a level of transcendentalness that is not the same. Like I have friends that I love that I know will do anything for me, that take care of me, that look out for me. Um, you know, we've talked about this, but there is a different sense of spirit than when I would say the times I felt like I've been touched by God. I, I, I completely agree with that. I, I, I can't even explain like the, the feeling of it. But like, when you know, you know. Um, I have, just like you said, I have a good group of friends, uh, guys who I've blood, sweat, and tears the whole nine yards with who, if I needed anything, drop of a dime, they're there. And just knowing that, knowing that I have those people in my life, it's, it's, a, different, it's a different feeling from when you know when you know that the Lord has literally stepped in and moved mountains for you or, or done something or whatever the case may be, it, it's, it's indescribable. It's indescribable. It's, it's incredible. Well, I mean, this question is for both you and Nina then. So what I want to ask as people who, uh, people of faith who have a strong conviction, mm. why do you feel like you have that experience and I don't. If God is all omnipresent and he's with everybody and he sees everything and he does everything, why is it that mm -hmm. you guys have had this amazing experience, but I haven't or other people haven't? I can, I, I will say that I feel, I feel that you have probably already had that experience in your life because I, I feel, I feel and, and everyone's in everyone's life and any, it doesn't matter how you were raised or your walk of life or, or anything, there's always certain moments in your life that you just can't describe. You just can't put your thumb on it. You were supposed to zig, life zagged, and somehow it worked out. Like somehow things came through. Somehow the impossible happened. And, you know, it could be really big, like you won the lottery. It could be something really small, like, hey, your mother was sick, and in two or three days, like, she got better, like, out of nowhere, just a complete turnaround. I feel that in your life, just like in everyone's life, everyone has that moment. Now, depending depending on how spiritual you are or how you look at religion in the whole, some, some people are like, oh, you know what? I'm really lucky. I, I'm lucky the Irish. Some people are like, that was Jesus. Some people are like, karma. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. 
I mean, it just kind of depends on how you how you feel and like the label that you slap on it. My my experiences are no different than anything that's happened in your life. Be I I know for a matter of fact, me we just met. I'm just now looking at you, but I know for a matter of fact, you have had a whole bunch of trials and tribulations in your life that I can only imagine that you have persevered through. That you you dug down and had strength in you that was just unimaginable and you made it and I'm, I I love it and I'm proud of you for it but don't you kind of wonder where you got the strength from I I mean we could get into it but I'm gonna let Nina go first because I'm pretty sure I know exactly where it came from so for me I would say I w- I would kind of agree with him in the sense that I, I think that everyone's experienced it um to mm. some degree it, you have to like open your heart your mind and your soul to where it came from so my level of Christianity. Like I said, it's not rooted in doctrine. I'm not married to the fact that there was like a Jesus Christ on earth. I'm not married to that. I'm not married to like, I actually don't believe in hell at all, actually. But I'm not married to like the, the Christian God in the standard sense. Because in the Bible, he tells us that he reveals it to us as we can handle. So I believe that the Bible is put together in a way that we could understand and we could appreciate it. But that the reality of it is that form, we may not ever be able to understand where it comes from. So I'm open in that sense. But when I was with you and we were in Australia and we went off, we went to the drop off, which basically took everything I had in me to do because of how terrified I was. I felt God in that space. I felt the, 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 well, I call it the drop off because that's what's called in um, Finding Nemo. But that underwater okay. cliff that we went to. Okay. And then. <laughs> Great Barrier Reef. There's an underwater cliff, Whoa. and it was. There's also a very stoned of, turtle that hangs out around there. Terrifying, <laughs> terrifying. It was the most stunning thing I've. One of the most stunning things I've ever experienced in my life. Yes, yeah, and I threw up all over the place later, but uh, <laughs> I did. But um, but it was it because to me I'm like how is this put together? But if not God, like, I don't know, guys, it's so hard to explain it. But I'm like, but I do feel like other people can have paths to it. I feel like people who like really get in touch with themselves through yoga. And I know some Christians freak out about yoga. But I think uh, uh, the ability to get inside yourself to unlock yourself to open your mind to the possibilities of the universe, and to like, gird yourself and to come just come to this different thing as an experience that is hard to parallel. Well, I think that's why I would consider myself a spiritual person because I don't, I, I'm, I would not in any way, shape or form label myself as an atheist. I like the drop off. I guys, so basically we're, we're snorkeling in the great barrier reef and the reef is, I mean, it wasn't even that, it did feel like it wasn't that far below us swimming in your swimming. And then right before the barrier line, like they have it blocked off. So you're not supposed to go any further. You come to this section where the reef is just gone. And it is like this black hole of just, no, thank you. it's terrifying <laughs> because you're thinking, what's there? The Kraken. What's the Kraken down there? There's yeah. a shark that's going to come at me. And it's a weird, it's a, yeah, um, something. Yeah, the something Kraken probably the does live there. Yes, that's the devil. The devil lived down there. I very I much want to go there and nope. make friends nope. with nope. the Kraken. That sounds amazing. Nope. <laughs> you say that, except for it is one of the most wondrous things that I, it is indescribable. So more of the 
and this is, I mean, we've, we've already gone way too far, but like the conversation that really intrigues me about the religion is the piece that you just said, Nina, variations of it. Like you can't do yoga. Wait, what? (laughs) Wait, what? I'm like, that's the stuff that blows my mind because if you are so open to accepting a higher power, if you are so open to believing and subscribing to something that has no legitimate logical definition, that is wholly based in faith, then how can you sit there and tell somebody that they can't experience that in whatever way yeah. they feel it? And the answer is you can't. And 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 then I, and then what I would do is I would bring them to the Good Samaritan, which you wouldn't normally think of a story in that same sense, but it kind of is because it's about people who supposedly were on the right path and supposedly encapsulated everything about what they were supposed to do in their religion and were correct, and yet they weren't the ones saved. So that can look different. It doesn't have to look like the way that you think it has to be. Like there is room and grace for other people in other ways, and it's not up to you to decide what that looks like for them. Well, I appreciate you, and I agree with you on that. I just don't know that that perspective is... That's certainly not the perspective I've experienced outside of you guys. It's not. But what I will say also, I mean, if you're in the Christian religion, and I will let Ryan add his two cents too, but it says the way is cramped. So, you know, the uh, over and over and over, and like I said, I, I pretty much strictly stick to the New Testament. Old Testament is really problematic. <laughs> but um, if you kind of stick to the New Testament, there's so many examples of people who kept acting like they were holy when they weren't. And there's example over example over that. And even like, you know, at the end, when they're supposed to face judgment, it was like, you know, you didn't feed me, you didn't clothe me, you didn't have the right priorities. And it's about your priorities. It's not necessarily about looking apart. It's about being it. And so if you spend and kind of, you know, what I said in my personal interview, it's about if your focus is on people and your focus is on being the best version of yourself, right? Which is the two the two commandments, prioritizing yourself with your relationship with God and then how you treat other people. I think the differences work themselves out, but I don't think that that's a popular road. I, I completely agree with everything you just said, like 120%. The road less traveled. Exactly. We could continue to talk about this. So we could continue to talk about this for a good another hour. I would, I think we can't do that for lots of reasons, but I think everyone has brought to the table kind of their own anecdotal experience with why this is so personal and why it's so hard to let it disseminate into the society in a way that makes sense to people. I think Nina and Ryan, your perspectives are are brilliant and, and easy to adhere to and agreeable and make a lot of sense across a, across a lot of lanes, but you're pretty rare. I think you guys are very much in the minority of the outwardly religious that feel the way that you do. Well, part of it's that we don't claim to know the answers, right? So both of us said we don't really know how to address some of those things that come into play Yeah, because we don't. But we can say that we don't and and be authentic in that space and also be okay with it not having to know everything and not claiming to be righteous exactly. in all things. Yeah, you don't, you don't have all the answers, Sway. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got, Love you got it. it. <laughs> what we've gathered so far, what I've gathered specifically, are that God 
love, sex, and trust should never be weaponized. But when they are, they cause the most intense harm. And I think one thing that we've identified here is that as humans, because we are flawed, we tend to weaponize all of these things for our own benefit, whether we mean to or not. And I think something that all of us could do over the course of the next couple of days, months, years, whatever, is identify where in their relationships, where in our relationships and in our lives, are we either intentionally or unintentionally weaponizing those pieces of humanity and how we can identify how we can stop doing that. And you got some real shit to say. Now's the time to say it. Mm-hmm.